1: Sure, so just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com, or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today.
0: Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 82, The Great Reset, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries, the show that asks the questions the world answers the questions the world doesn't want you to know. I'm Scott Mitchell and I'm here with.
2: Zena, are you guys ready to swallow the red pill?
0: I hope they are. We're going to get back. We we actually uh, recorded a couple of episodes where our schedules didn't line up. Yes. And so I had to, I had, I'm sure by now they're throwing rocks saying, where is Zena?
2: <laughs> no. So, um,
0: and what I did was we, we were talking about the dispensation of grace. Yes. And I just had two more parts and I thought, well, we're going to get pretty deep theologically, at least for this show. Okay. So I did the best I could with it, folks. We didn't have Zena here to help me through it, but uh, she's back. So
2: I'm back. <laughs> we're gonna
0: we're gonna get into some things that aren't quite so theological today. They're okay. gonna get more into more controversial stuff. Ooh. So uh, yeah. So let's get started. I'm gonna ask you a question. Have you ever heard the phrase "the Great Reset"?
2: I've heard you say it, mm-hmm. but genuinely, no.
0: So not out in public discourse? Or, uh, no, sir. Okay, yeah. The um, The Great Reset was mentioned when we did a few episodes about Agenda 2030. Yes. And we talked about that year, you know, 2030 was a year that uh, the World Economic Forum plans to do a major rehaul of the whole world system
2: where instead of us owning things we would be essentially renting them
0: yeah or actually i think the term they use was we'll own nothing and be happy <laughs> which sounds really weird to I me don't, i
2: don't know how that sounds <laughs> i don't like <laughs> how that sounds at all
0: so the great reset is sort of ties into that because it was a phrase coined by the founder of the world economic forum we've talked about this man before his name is klaus schwab yes i don't think he's a good guy His name
2: doesn't sound like a good guy. Doesn't sound like a good guy. No offense, Klaus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He is probably one of the satanic global elites. Okay. In fact, I I know he is, or he's at least involved in it. Uh, And he's not the only one, of course. But um, he saw, I think it could have been used before that, but I think it came into usage, the term, the Great Reset, when the pandemic hit. okay. And while everything was shut down and and the economy started to go south and jobs were lost and all this was happening, he he viewed it as here's an opportunity to reset everything. This is our, we're going to take advantage of this unfortunate pandemic to use it as a reset to bring, and that's where, believe it or not, he's the one that brought it forth Build Back Better. So that is President Biden's campaign slogan. It was from Klaus Schwab.
2: Now, what is build back better? I'm well, not
0: break down the system. Okay, and we'll build it back better. Okay, yeah. So a, a lot of people thought, you know, um, I, if I recall, and I'm not exactly sure, but I think when Donald Trump was president, his slogan was "Make America Great Again." Yes. So it was kind of a play on that. It, I, it, I think, a lot of people thought when Biden ran on Build Back Better, it was like, well, he screwed everything up, so we're going to do it better. Okay, and but really it, it was i'm sure that was the intention that he wanted people to think yeah we're better than trump you know because every president thinks they're better than the last one yeah but i think that uh, most people don't know that it was actually a term that klaus schwab and the world economic forum was putting in vogue and they were trying to say as a result of resetting everything after uh, covid we're going to build back better mm-hmm. and so the great reset is essentially a an opportunity for the globalists to eliminate nations, eliminate the way things have already done. They want to eliminate capitalism. They want to eliminate private property ownership and all of that and bring about what I think is a resurgence of the Tower of Babel. Okay. So we're going to somehow try to tie in these current events and look at what has happened in the past and see is there a connection. Okay. Is there a parallel, you know. So we're going to start with a passage of Scripture we've read before, because I I always want to remind our listeners um, that—you remember I've told us, uh, our listeners, and we talked about this, that um, imagine a koi pond, right, of the fish, you know, and uh, they're just giant goldfish in a pond, and some of them are solid colors, you know, there's red and black and white, solid koi, and then some of them are speckled, and they got all kinds of colors and dotted and polka dot. And um, somehow a battle began between the solid-colored koi and the speckled koi. Okay. And they began to fight over, you're wrong, I'm right, blah, blah, blah. And the whole time they were fighting, they're unaware that above the surface of the water are these uh, vastly more intelligent beings. And they're not koi. They walk on two legs, and they have two arms, and they have eyes in front of their face instead of on the sides, you know. And they're the ones stirring the the animosity between the two. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're infinitely more intelligent, but the koi are so involved in their squabble that they're unaware that they're there. So I use that as an analogy of how we as human beings are like the koi. Yeah. And satanic angels are like the human beings. Okay. In the analogy, they're that much more intelligent than we are. And they're the ones distracting us with fighting with each other over some stupid divisional thing, whether it's a war in Ukraine, whether it's whether you got vaccinated or not, Mm -hmm. whether it's the color of our skin or the political leaning that I take, and whatever. They're using that to pit us against each other. So it's like, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah. You know, they don't want us to see or know what they're really doing. And so the spiritual realm, for the most part, I would say, is ignored Mm -hmm. by humanity. Uh, most people are looking for solutions politically or socially or whatever. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, each other, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we constantly need to remind ourselves that there's a spiritual battle going on, Mm -hmm. whether we believe it or not. I mean, there's plenty of people that are not believers, they're not people of faith, and so they would dismiss this whole idea. They think the Bible's just fiction and whatever. But we're Bible mysteries, so we're looking at the Bible as it is the Word of God, it is a record, and we're going to assume it's true. So if we wrestle not with flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, then they would love nothing more than to distract us to fight with each other. yes, so they don't we don't pay attention to them. Now, <clears throat> spiritual things are both good and bad. You've got God and his angels, you've got Jesus Christ, and then you've got Satan and his angels and demons and whatever entities that are involved. And uh, incidentally, we're going to have to bring them up again, even though we've talked about them plenty of times, the Nephilim. Okay. You know, the giant hybrids that were the mixture of fallen angels and human beings back in Genesis 6. So we'll talk about them again a little bit in in this series. This is probably going to be a two-part series. Okay. It might be longer. The more I dig, the more I find. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. But um, I always, you know, with the spiritual things that are good we uh, can't always, you can't always identify when they're bad either, Mm -hmm. although you can use the Word of God to measure against it. So if something doesn't measure up, you can sort of say, hmm, I'm suspicious of that. Uh, But we can use the Bible to look at history and see if there are parallels in history. So Genesis chapter 11, we've talked about before, but I'm gonna remind our listeners because it's the Tower of Babel. Okay. And in my mind, this event occurred and uh, we could talk all day long about what was really going on behind it, but it was definitely a unified global government that was here. Because as we'll see in a moment, there were no nations yet. There weren't different languages. Everybody spoke the same language, and they were all unified together in one place, which sounds great on the surface. Yeah. Right? But when they did that, they came together to do something that wasn't good. So Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 says, And the whole earth was of one language Mm -hmm. and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And so we've talked about that location, but for those that have never heard it, Shinar would be in modern-day Iraq. Okay. And as we're going to find, it's Babylon or ancient Babylon. But uh, they said one to another, Go to let us make brick and burn them throughly, And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So they must have feared they were going to be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Yeah. I believe it's very likely that they could read the stars And see God's prophecy in the stars. And we talked about the term the Zodiac. And the Hebrew version of that is called the Maseroth. And while we say Leo and Cancer and Gemini and whatever, you know, Sagittarius, um, in reality, those symbols date back to ancient antiquity. And even though there's different languages and different cultures, those symbols are pretty much the same Mm -hmm. in every country. And now their interpretation of them is different. But I believe that they relate to the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they begin to to, to the Jews, the year began in the spring instead of January, because their calendar was different. And so right about the time of the sign of Virgo. And then it ended at the end, when the year came back around with the sign of Leo. Okay. And according to the book, The Witness of the Stars by E.W. Bullinger, um, it was a picture of the birth of Christ and the return of Christ. Okay. And then everything that happens in the signs in the year are f- prophetic foretelling of how God's redeeming his people through Christ and how he's vanquishing Satan and on and on it goes. Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously the Zodiac doesn't point to any of that, but the Maseroth did. So since you could read the stars and the signs and, and the ancient people saw far more stars than we do today, you know, they probably gleaned from that, hmm, he's going to do something. And we don't want that. Yeah. So they rebelled against God, and they built this tower. We also talked in the past, and I know you'll remember this because it was pretty wild. We talked about Zena, that they were probably building a tower to say back to those fallen angels, hey, come back.
2: Yeah, I do remember that. Remember
0: talking about that? Mm -hmm. As if to say, we want that hidden knowledge, we want that secret whatever, and we'll give you our daughters again or our wives. Mm -hmm. It seemed to be they were inviting um, the fallen angels to come back again. So, um, I think we could use that event of the Tower of Babel, and we'll come back to it later, as a picture of the Great Reset. Okay. In a sense, to me, this whole globalization that's going on uh, is another attempt to go back to the Tower of Babel a one world government. You ever heard of that New World Order? No. One world government. You never heard those terms. No. Yeah, No. It's, it's like if you live your life as a normal person, you're probably not going to hear these things. But if you decide I'm going to pay attention to the news or I'm going to pay attention to whatever that's out there, you're going to run into those terms. And, of course, you're going to go, hmm. What is that? What is that yeah. talking about? And so at that point, your interest will be piqued, you know. But most people that are just living their lives and, and <laughs> you know, trying to do their jobs and whatever. That is me. <laughs> yeah. They, they probably aren't aware of it, you know. So I'm going to read some things and I'll put, we're putting show notes up now okay. with the podcast so people can go back and read these notes. The Great Reset is the name of the 50th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum held in June of 2020. It brought together, and by the way, that's well into the COVID thing. Okay. You know, but I think it was really almost January, February when we started thinking something was going on, you know. Okay. Of 2020. It brought together high-profile business and political leaders convened by the Prince of Wales, Charles, England, and the uh, World Economic Forum with the theme of rebuilding society and the economy following the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm reading this from nothing more than just a simple link at Wikipedia. So it's not like they're trying to hide this information. Anybody can go read this, you know. So so this was their plan. Now, on the surface, it doesn't seem that bad. No. It's like, oh, well, we want to rebuild society as if it needed rebuilding, you know. Well, sure, there's plenty of societal problems. You know, we've been dealing with them for years. Yeah. uh, Centuries. You know, society has always dealt with poverty with crime, with mm-hmm. whatever, you know, um, famine, hunger, you know, things like that. But um, this idea of a utopian pie in the sky, we'll, we'll get rid of all of our problems is a little ambitious. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we want those things to happen and the Lord is going to make it happen one day, but are men going to be able to do it on their own? And if they could, why would they need God? Very true. So there's there's the thought behind this. Now, from the same Wikipedia link, we read this. World Economic Forum Chief Executive Officer Klaus Schwab described three core components of the Great Reset. The first involves creating conditions for a stakeholder economy. We'll talk more about that later. Okay. The second component includes building in a more resilient, equitable, and sustainable way based on environmental, social, and governance metrics, which would incorporate more green public infrastructure projects, on and on. And then the third component is the to harness the innovations of the fourth industrial revolution for public good. Now this sounds like a bunch of economists talking. So it's like, you know, I fall right <laughs> if I had to sit in on this conference. But, um, and honestly, I think if we sat in on one of these conferences, we would never be privileged to go to one. You know, yeah, I
2: never know what they're talking about. Yeah,
0: they're all the, the top muckety mucks of whatever. But uh, so I would never be invited. You, know, you might get invited, but not me. Um, but I'd probably fall asleep. Right. Because it would be like a bunch of guys talking about insurance or something. You know? it's just as, sorry, sound very sorry insurance people, but it's just not the most exciting thing in the world to talk about. But terms, on, on first glance, it kind of sounds like, well, this sounds like they have a plan to make the world a better place. But I don't know what stakeholder economy means. Me either. I don't know what sustainable, uh, uh, su- resilient and equitable building means. You know,
2: I'm assuming they're going to make it out of plastic.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't know. And then the fourth industrial revolution for public good. Now, we might be familiar when we went to school of talking about the industrial revolution. Do you remember hearing anything about that?
2: I do remember.
0: That Was that you were in school more recently than i was <laughs> if we're talking like whenever high school so was that about like when we invented the cotton gin and the railroads I and industry so. started to and grow and like you know
2: having lots of factories yeah
0: okay because at prior to that we were mostly like a, a an agrarian society where yeah. we were just growing things and then now we're we're building railroad tracks across the country mm-hmm. you know your factory workers and we're starting to be like mass-produced like henry t uh, henry ford model t very
2: true okay, Toyotas. So, yeah
0: exactly yeah so um so that was uh a there were evidently revolutions before that one and yeah. i don't know what they were was it when the fire fire was discovered or they invented the wheel or whatever it was but at some point there was an industrial revolution and then i thought we had Revolutions since then like the nuclear age you know or, or whatever space travel yeah something but he dubs this thing that they're trying to do now the fourth industrial revolution hmm. so maybe some of those other things I mentioned were um, industrial revolutions and there was four of them yeah or this is the fourth one so what is the fourth industrial revolution? what would you think it would mean if you had to guess comparing Any of those other things we talked about, like the, you know, the railroads and the factories and now, what would you think that means?
2: Oh, that's a good question. All I can think of is Elon Musk. Yeah. (laughs) Is that bad? Like, I just think of um, technology being really big and cars driving themselves Mm. and us using a lot of like fossil fuel energy.
0: Or getting away from it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And... I think that's fair.
2: Right? Because, I I mean, there's nothing, like you said, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. But as of, like, as we've progressed, I feel like we're in a more technology-based, if we're talking industrial revolution, and, like, we're advancing very fast. Yeah. Kind of wicked scary fast, if you ask me.
0: I agree. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think you hit the nail right on the head. We're going to read Schwab's. Yeah. Uh, disc- he would agree with it, you know, that, that, uh, what, what it is, but, you know, you mentioned where things are advancing so fast and i work for a technology company. I mm-hmm. can't say which one it is. Um, but, um, there was a product this company introduced years ago, uh, when that particular founder CEO, yeah. um, introduced it and his, uh, when they were drafting or designing it, he said he wanted this device to be as simple to use as a toaster. It was advanced technology. Yeah. But it became ubiquitous. You know, everyone had one. And um, this same company is still making products today that I feel like are so complicated now. Your average person, unless they grew up with them when they were kids, struggles. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine somebody who's 70 and trying to deal with one of these things. My dad
2: has the heart. He's not 70, but he's in his later 60s and he does not know what he's doing at the time.
0: Well, I'm just saying that we've, I feel like all companies, not just this one that yeah. I work with, all companies are moving to far more complicated systems. And 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 then they're getting rid of, like, phone support. Like, you can't, there's one particular technology company, you can't get a human being on the phone if you have a problem.
2: And that's what I feel like is so annoying because, you know, not dogging the robots out there you know you guys do your thing but it's nice to have someone who has like empathy and sympathy yeah. on the phone with you that's not like i can help you give yeah. me this and then you give them everything and they're like
0: chat bots yeah and yeah. it's
2: like you're like just give me a real person can't do that oh, it's-
0: and don't you love how you have to prove you're not a robot Yes. When you go to their support sites. Yes. Yeah. So wait a minute. I call for help and I get a robot, but if I want to go use your product, I have to prove I'm not a robot.
2: Right? It's like, <laughs> click the lightning pole yeah. on this. And which it's which like, one is a
0: road? I'm
2: like, all oh, of them are roads. So
0: robots can't figure out which one is a road? Right? You know? I'm like, if they
2: can if they can get into all of my information and tell me what I need to do to reroute this and reroute that, I think they can figure out which one's a road, guys.
0: So- we talk about this, and I think we have legitimate criticism about technology. It's going to get worse. That's beautiful. It's not going to get better, you know? So look at what he says, another entry from Wikipedia. Okay. If you look up Fourth Industrial Revolution, the term has been used widely in scientific literature and was popularized by Klaus Schwab.
2: That name.
0: Ah, uh, I know. In 2015, mind you. The World Economic Forum founder and executive chairman. So he was talking about this long before the Great Reset.
2: Talking about it when I graduated high school. Yeah. Wowzers.
0: And they say a part of this phase of industrial change, the fourth revolution, is the joining of technologies like artificial intelligence, advanced robotics, and gene editing To blur the lines between the physical, digital, and biological worlds. Now, I don't know about using it, but that's scary to me.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned
0: Elon Musk?
2: Yeah, that guy, not not throwing any shit at Elon, but he's quite scary, dude. Like all of the things that he's come up with, I'm like,
0: you no, know, he's building a gigantic factory right up north of us. I
2: it's, saw that in Austin. I was like, It's huge. Who I've never said yes? It's a bigger
0: building. <laughs> well, he talks a lot about artificial intelligence. And yes. How it, he's not the only one, but he's a very well known, prominent vocal uh, proponent of it. Now, he, he warns of the dangers, too. Yeah. But, but he's very much advancing the very thing he claims is dangerous.
2: I mean, I'm not surprised. Have you seen his kids' names?
0: <laughs> no. What are
2: they? Uh, oh, gosh. Like he has. One I think is like the whole alphabet. Oh, and really? then there's some that have like I think his most recent child has a bunch of symbols and his name. Don't ask me how to pronounce them because wow, they're not English.
0: That reminds me of uh, there was a musician back in the '70s named uh, Frank Zappa, and he named <laughs> his kids uh, Amet Rodan, and he named one of them Moon Unit.
2: You know what? I would rather deal with those than like you know, oh, robotic names. I
0: forgot one. He also named one Dweezel. Dweezel. Yeah, Dweezil Zappa, who, by the way, is a phenomenal musician. Uh, you know, kudos <laughs> to you, Dweezil. <laughs> uh, you've you've worn your name and you've worn it proudly. So, yeah, um, yeah. He's, he was, and so was his dad, Frank. He was a phenomenal musician too, too. So, so yeah. So this thing is starting to sound like what. The Bible warns about where the human genome is going to be changed, and we've talked about the potential of maybe the mark of the beast changes you from being fully human to being part nephilim. Well, m- maybe the way they're going to do that is through this gene editing and artificial intelligence. Or-
2: so, would you say we're already doing that now? When you with the build a baby,
0: uh, definitely genetic. Editing and manipulation, that's definitely happening. I think it's been, uh, if you, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a crazy person, but I think uh, alien abductions have been messing with that for mm-hmm. decades, you know, taking people. And what they do is they, they work on their reproductive organs, you know, because uh, I do think there's something to those abductions. I don't think they're just people dreaming. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I would argue it's probably satanic, and um, in fact, I know it's satanic, but it's probably uh, angels and not actually aliens doing it. Um, they're they're and angels are corporeal beings. They're not just ghosts floating around. They can take on form. Yeah. So they could be in a spacecraft or beam you up or whatever it is they do. You know. Uh, so another uh, website that I'll link in here makes a mention of this. They say, uh, that they quote Klaus Schwab. Okay. And so uh, he said, the world must act jointly, together, and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. So that, that sounds more like a warning or a threat yeah. than, and, and you know, a lot of people that think that climate change is real or, or I mean, climate changes, that's that's true. I yeah. mean, it's called weather. <laughs> but are we on the verge of burning the world up? That I don't believe. They they said that New York would be underwater by 2015. Well, we, It's not.
2: No, it's not.
0: And all these people that claim that we've got to do something right away to save the planet, keep buying property on Martha's Vineyard or some island somewhere on the coast. So they obviously don't believe in the rising of the sea levels or they wouldn't be purchasing property there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a con to bring about these kind of changes. Okay. So if to me, we analyze the great reset, it's Very similar to the Tower of Babel. It's trying to bring us all together, eliminate our boundaries and our so-called limitations. But in reality, what they're saying is they want to eliminate the nation state. No more France, Germany, England, China, Russia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, America. Just one world, one government. Can you imagine trying to govern the entire world with one leader or one parliament Look how different we are. Our cultures are so different. Yeah. We have the same basic needs. We're human beings. We need to eat. We need to work. We need to enjoy our life, You know, raise children, all those kind of things. But we do them in vastly different ways. What people might eat in the middle of China might be very foreign to me. You know, very true. I'm from South Louisiana, you know, People in Oklahoma think I'm weird because I eat crawfish. Yeah, you know <laughs> So there's no way you're going to get everybody to come together. but there's been so many uh, movies, fictional movies over the years that um, basically are about and the term is a
1: dystopian future.
0: Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important.
1: There's secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know.
0: And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out.
1: Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This
0: is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcasts so the controlled media can't shut us down.
1: We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries.
0: Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free, without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech.
1: And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax-deductible.
0: Thanks again, and here's the show. You ever heard that expression, dystopian I future? I have not. So you know what a utopia is, if we can make it a wonderful world. Yeah. Everything's perfect. We all live together in peace and harmony. You know, like Star Trek. They, they're they in a utopia. They travel the stars. All the planets get along together, except for the Klingons. <laughs> And the Romulans. Okay, I forgot about those. (laughs) But, you know, there's no more money and everybody works and they're happy and the Federation of Planets, they all unite together. Mm -hmm. Well, that would be beautiful if it could be possible. Yeah. But human beings are tainted with sin. So, you know, it's not going to happen as long as there's sin in the world. So uh, a dystopian future is we dreamed of utopia, but what we ended up with was a mess. And so you had, you know, movies like Planet of the Apes. You know, we yes. blew ourselves up, and then the monkeys took over. Yeah. You know, and now they hunt humans for sport. <gasps> you know, or uh, Soylent Green. That's an old movie where uh, Charlton Heston was the hero. And
2: not seen it.
0: Huh? I have not
2: You've seen
0: You've not it. seen that one? Oh, you ought to watch that one. Okay. Yeah. Because what he discovers in the end was they, everybody ate this food that the government provided for them, and it was called Soylent Green. And so they all ate Soylent, and nobody knew what it was made of. Really, And so the whole movie is about Charlton Heston's character discovering that in the end, Soylent Green was made from people.
2: Oh. And so
0: what they did was there weren't any old people because at a certain age, they killed you and they ground you into food. And there was another movie called Logan's Run that was sort of about everybody was young and beautiful and they could do, you know, uh, surgical procedures on their face to look young. Yeah, But when you reach your 30th birthday, you had this little procedure that you went through and they killed you. Because they didn't want to have to sustain taking care of people in their 40s and 50s and 60s, you know. So they got rid of welfare and all that stuff, you know. Wow. Social security. Yeah. So in a way, it's just fiction. But I think it's pictures of what the satanic global elite would love to see. Yeah. Because I truly believe they're trying to reduce the world's population through whatever means necessary. I think what might be going on in Ukraine and Russia right now is an attempt. And I don't know if it's just going to be a a conventional war. Or a nuclear war, but the way our idiots seem to be working in this country and NATO is, they're they're going to egg a nuclear war on, which is nobody wins. Yeah. You know? So, um, and I wouldn't put it past them because they're that stupid and arrogant to do it. So I'm praying and it doesn't happen. But in a few weeks, we're going to do an episode called um, Gog and Magog Revisited, because mm-hmm. we've done a two-part series on that before. Yeah, But I've learned something since okay. then that I want to share. And shout out to my good buddy, Ryan Peterson, author of The Final Nephilim, because it's his book that revealed it. And I went, whoa. It was <laughs> like, I have been trying to figure that out for years. Yeah. And he, the Lord showed it to him. So he wrote about it. So we're going to come back and talk about that. So let's go back for a moment, Zena, and go back to visit the Tower of Babel. And okay. You'll remember the story, but for the sake of our listeners, we're going to finish the story. So they were building this tower to reach unto heaven, sort of a unified global governance. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the guy in charge of this whole thing was a man named Nimrod. Remember that guy? Yes, I okay. do. So, verse five the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Now, we've said this before. We built skyscrapers, yes, bigger than probably anything they were doing at the time. Yeah, we don't know that, but I'm certain it wasn't like the Sears Tower or the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. Well, God didn't come down to stop that, you know. Even though some planes blew into the World Trade Center, did. But uh, in Dubai right now, which is in the Middle East, there are structures taller than that.
2: Oh my goodness, it's insane. Yeah, I really want to go visit.
0: Yeah, I've heard it's amazing. You know, well. so whatever this was, it's not because it was so tall. God said, "Up, ah, that's too tall. We're going to have to stop that. Yeah. There was something sinister going on. Okay. So uh, we, it's a discussion we've had before. I won't get into it. But the Lord said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and they, uh, this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So if nothing would be restrained that you can imagine to do, you must have some awesome power. Yeah which tells me that what they were trying to tap into was that secret wisdom that the angels had mm-hmm. that they were willing to trade or, or sell. You know. uh, go to, God says, let us go down and there confound their language. The us would have to be him and his angels that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So, the very term Babel, which if you say, What is this babbler saying? It's like he's just blah, blah, blah you know, talking confusing yeah. language. Okay. Well, if you start speaking suddenly a language I didn't know, it would seem like Babel to me, and I would seem like Babel to you. Mm-hmm. So, Babylon was the city that came from that, Babel. And uh, Babylon became a whole region, and there was even an empire later. Well, Babel was a part of history, and it shows up again in the end of
2: right because time. it's uh, Babylon is like. The equivalent to
0: Jerusalem. Right. Apostate Jerusalem. Okay. That's right. There, there's a Jerusalem of God, and then mm-hmm. there's a satanically controlled Jerusalem, yes. right? So that's right. And uh, it will um, feature in the time of the Antichrist because she's called Mystery Babylon, and she's actually called the Mother of Harlots. So there's a connection to a sexual practice of idolatry with that city. Okay. Now... Um, Before we go to Mystery Babylon, and assuming we have time to do it, when men did this and God scattered them abroad, like I said, he came down, got got God's attention, and, and he said, we need to stop this. So he scattered them abroad, and when he did that, Paul writes in the book of Romans something about this. He doesn't refer to the Tower of Babel, but he refers to what the attitude of humanity was at that time. Yeah. And what we learn is that, and and the, since Nimrod was the guy in charge, and his name literally means rebel, okay, and since uh, it was a picture of humanity rebelling against God and apparently trying to go back and do what was done back in Genesis 6, which we'll talk about later, Uh the Apostle Paul wrote that the reason God did this was because of this rebellion. Mm-hmm. So in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, we read, For the wrath of God, which is coming, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Now, the wrath of God in the past on the earth fell during the flood of Noah. Mm-hmm. And we know that that was because of those angels and the, the giants that were their children. So when God pours his wrath out on the whole planet, it's because something really bad happened. So I believe that the Tower of Babel was a unification to try to make that happen again. And God said, I'm not going to let them happen do that again. Because he already promised he wouldn't flood the earth again. So And then when he does bring his wrath, the one Paul's talking about, it's not going to be with water, but fire. So are going to burn everything up. So what Paul here is saying is God's wrath is coming and it's going to be on all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And then he reminds us about the past. He says, because that when that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Manifest means it's like it's clearly known. Um, For God hath showed it unto them. And I think he showed it from antiquity, through the stars and through his written word, through the prophets, whatever. For the invisible things of him, of God, from the creation of the world— now we're going back, right— are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So men that suppress the truth and refuse to acknowledge God have no excuse because he showed them, he gave them an opportunity, and they wouldn't listen. Uh, And again, he's referring to history because that when they knew God— And at some point they did. Humanity knew God. I think they knew him at the Tower of Babel. Yeah. They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. There's that word again. Remember, God said nothing would be restrained for them, whatever they imagined to Mm -hmm. do. And the root of the word imagination is image. And an image is an idol. Yeah. A little statue of a god, okay? So they were vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And a fool is defined in the Bible as somebody that says there is no God. Okay. Okay. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. So idols. Wherefore, because of this... God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. And who they worshiped and served, the creature was Lucifer. Satan in its many manifestations as Baal or uh, Jupiter or Zeus or Ra or you name it. Okay. Okay. So here what we're saying is God gave them up. And so he said, look, all right, you, you're not going to listen to me? Fine. I'm going to scatter you abroad and let you find your own way. Mm-hmm. There was a time when he actually appointed angels to be watchers, to guide humanity. And they are the ones that probably are the, the original uh, ones that came down and took the daughters of men. While they were watching us, they saw that women were beautiful and they went, hmm. How about I trade you knowledge for your wife, yeah, or your daughter, or something? Uh, so when he scattered them abroad, I think they were probably attempting to bring that back into vogue. And uh, in Acts, let me go there because this is Paul again, but he's actually preaching. <laughs> he was interestingly enough, uh, Paul was in Athens, Greece, really at this time, and and he was preaching to a bunch of pagan idol-worshipping Gentiles. They didn't know who God was. They had so many gods, they had a whole row of them with statues <laughs> all down the, you've heard of the Parthenon and the Acropolis. I mean, they had them all over the place. And he walks by and they even had one statue and it said to the unknown God. Oh, wow. So they were that superstitious. Yeah. You know? And he gets up on their lecture circuit there, or it was called Mars Hill. That's where they all had their conversations yeah, street preachers, whatever, philosophers and uh, he says, the one you don't know, the one you ignorantly worship, let me tell you about him. So he used that opportunity to tell them about the Creator God really yeah and as he begins to explain to them who God is, he says in verse 26 um, that God has made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now, bounds is like, we would say the word boundaries. Okay. So it would be like the the boundaries of a country, the coast or the the river or the mountain or whatever that makes that state this square shape and Mm -hmm. not the next state over, right? So the bounds of their habitation, where they live. So in other words, when God did this with the Tower of Babel, Okay. He scattered them abroad, and these people they're going to live here, and these people they're going to live here. You, know, I mean, how did these people end up in Australia? The aborigines, yeah. right? You know, they, when the when the prisons uh, prisonership came from uh, England, and that's how Australia was settled. They put a, they dumped a penal colony down there.
2: <laughs> how interesting! <laughs>
0: I know the ship was called Botany Bay. And they mm-hmm. brought all the prisoners out of England, and basically you're banished. You you go for survive and fend for yourself. And they had crocodiles and sharks and yeah. you know, snakes and everything. They were like, we'll figure it out. And they became a, a nation. Yeah, you know, uh, but there were people that were already there, you know, and they were called the Aborigines. So um, how did they get there? Yeah, well, God separated them. Mm-hmm. He divided them, and uh, so He determined before the bounds of their habitation. And watch verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily, and happily is spelled H-A-P-L-Y, it's not like I'm happy, it's if it might happen. Okay. It could happen that they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So God's intention was to thwart Satan in his global unification and, and rebellion against him, against God. He said, I'll scatter them abroad and give them the opportunity to find me. And if they'll seek me, they'll find me. Okay. So he gave them up, but he didn't give them up without a possibility that they could find God again. And ultimately, uh, he called a nation Israel to teach the Gentiles, but they didn't do it. So then he sent Jesus to correct Israel, and they killed him. And then he sent Paul to tell the rest of us, well, guess what? The one that they killed was raised again, and now we can all be saved. So it ultimately worked into his perfect plan. Okay. So the great reset seems to be trying to get back to Babel, to get back to a okay. single government where everything's controlled by a Nimrod. And it's not going to be Klaus Schwab, but it's going to be somebody. Okay. And that somebody's going to be the Antichrist. So a man is going to rise up and he is going to be a Nephilim hybrid. So what we're going to see, and we won't see it this week, we'll see it next week. But what we're going to see is what's moving us toward the great reset is one of the things is that fourth industrial revolution, and we saw artificial intelligence and gene editing. And you said something about designer babies.
2: Yeah. So like, um, there I don't I don't know what the website it's called. It's probably not called designer babies, but you get the gist. <laughs> um, but basically, you go in into a, I'm assuming like a fertility facility, and you can pick out how tall you want your baby to be, what eye color, what skin color, what hair type, what skin texture, etc., etc., and design a baby. They basically, you know, um, put the baby inside of the woman that's wanting to have a baby and then bam.
0: Wow. That's very much like Logan's Run and yeah. those, those dystopian future movies. Well, um, I, I think we, we've got that technology now. And if we've got that kind of power and the understanding of genes and genetics, then what do you think angels know about genes and genetics?
2: A lot more.
0: Yeah. And, and if they've been manipulating and trying to find a way to do one of two things, and um, we're going to um, discuss this next week. Um, you know, we knew that there were giants that were destroyed in the flood. Yes. The, well, the, the giants were the offspring of angels and humans, so they were hybrids. Okay. Well, giants showed up later after the flood, too.
2: Yeah, the Canaanites.
0: That's right. That's right. Exactly. So, there were, there were among the Canaanites, there were people like Goliath and Og of Bashan, and they were huge. Mm-hmm. They may not have been as big as the original Nephilim, but they were still giants, and therefore they were hybrids. And we've discussed that they might have come through the lineage of Ham's wife. Uh, and maybe she had some latent genes. So, um, the, you know, the children of Israel were used to destroy them to, when they settled the land. But does does that mean that they were only there and nowhere else in the world? There's been skeletons found all over the world. Yeah. You know? So I would think that giants might have migrated too. Mm-hmm. And if they did, the genes are still in the human race somewhere.
2: For sure. I mean, I was going to ask you, do you think, I mean... Men that are like seven foot, almost eight foot tall, Mm -hmm. do you think that they probably have... Some giant jeans. It's there. a
0: possibility. I mean, as much as I love Shaquille O'Neal, you know, and I just that's think a he's big a
2: guy, coolest
0: guy, but he's a, he's gigantic. Um, interestingly enough, there was a man who's recorded as one of the tallest men that ever lived in in history in in modern history. Yeah, and he's something like eight feet or nine feet tall, or close to. Yes, him. and he was a British guy. Yes, now, he wasn't an athletic, muscular man like Shaq is, mm-hmm. but I've seen a picture of Shaq standing next. To his wax museum image, yeah, and he comes up to his waist.
2: Like, guy's I wonder where I would come up to. Maybe like his kneecaps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I would come up to Shaquille's waist. Yeah, you know, and I'm only six foot, but I mean, I would, I would be like right under. He could put his rest his like, elbow. Hey on there, my head. pastor. <laughs> and then he looked that way to this guy. Yeah. Now that guy, I don't know if he was a giant, but they they claim he had a condition called gigantism, which is a Ooh. genetic. Okay. A genetic disorder. So that begs the question, are all Nephilim giants? Could they be normal size and look like humans but still be
2: on the taller side?
0: Or or tall, and and maybe not just tall, maybe there's other physical characteristics that seem to distinguish them. Big feet. Yeah, could be that. Could it be, uh, you know, there's one author that seems to think that there's there's a particular features of giants that, like, I think the word is polydactyly, six fingers on each hand.
2: six toes.
0: Sometimes they they tend to to lean towards having red hair, which is not to say that every ginger is a giant. Oh my gosh, (laughs) guys, get the (laughs) gingers. And and there's other attributes that they've done research about. But bottom line is they could look just like any of us and not even be necessarily tall, maybe just tall, but not gigantic. But uh, it's what's inside them. Spiritually and psychologically, yeah. that really identifies them, their character traits. And what we can see and what we might learn about some is that historically the giants were oppressive, dominating, murderous, violent things. We're going to get back to the world that was in their reign.
2: So sociopath, yes. psychopath, and narcissistic people are giants. In other words,
0: giants. politicians, <sighs> corporate leaders. All of the above. I mean, We can't
2: trust him, folks.
0: So, is it possible the world is still controlled by the Nephilim, and we just don't know it?
2: I'm definitely not a Nephilim. Yeah, yeah,
0: I know you're not. <laughs> you're five three. Five, zero. Five zero. Okay, <laughs> so we can rule that right out. So right. No, yeah. No. Don't suspect Xena. She's a warrior princess, but she's not a Nimrod.
2: <laughs> nope. Not I.
0: So, in closing, let's do this. We mentioned the Tower of Babel and what became Babylon. And then we mentioned Mystery Babylon. So, let's read that passage to see something about that, and we'll give a little teaser of what's coming next time. Okay. So, Revelation 17 describes Mystery Babylon. Uh, We've looked at this before, but I want to read something specific about it. So, it's verse 3. So, he carried me away, the angel, takes John, into the, in the spirit, into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit on a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns, the beast, not the woman. Okay. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Fornication is a sexual practice to worship idols. And upon her forehead was a name written mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So it sort of implies all the way back to ancient Babylon. But it's, it's future. It's mine. Yeah. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints... And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, when I saw her and I wondered with great admiration. So the woman, we'll find out, is a city. And as we discuss, I believe it's apostate Jerusalem. Okay. As a matter of fact, when you look at all of the riches that she has, and uh, it's described in, uh, I want to say, maybe chapter 18. Yeah, in chapter 18, uh, the merchants uh, weep when she's destroyed. Uh, you know, because she had, uh, she was a, became a financial center. I think Jerusalem is going to become the financial center of the great reset. Okay. Something's happening right now that's going to move it from like New York and London to Israel. And uh, when you look at the merchandise and it's listed gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, and silk, Scarlet and all thigh and wood and all manner of vessels of ivory, vessels of most precious wood, brass, iron marble, cinnamon, odors of ointments and frankincense and wine and oil. And when you read all that, you think, "Well, yeah, I get the gold and the silver. Yeah. You know, but cinnamon,
2: Frankincense.:
0: Yeah. But you know what? All of those are descriptive of? The original temple. The temple worship. OK. of God's temple. Everything listed here was what Moses was required to put together for the tabernacle.
2: Okay, so these weren't like offers.
0: Well, they they are offers. So what it's indicating is this is pointing to Jerusalem. Okay. Because Jerusalem is where the temple has to be. So all these riches that come in are going to, not only she's going to be a financial center, but the temple's going to be rebuilt. And they're going to start sacrificing again at a certain point, meaning Israel. And that's going to give the Antichrist the opportunity to go into the temple declare himself to be God, and pollute it. And so to me, the thing that stands out here is what I just finished reading in chapter 17, that it said, in her, she was drunken with the blood of the saints. The Great Reset is going to bring about the greatest persecution of Christian believers the world has ever known. And it's starting right now. Because the one thing that's going to stand in the way of Agenda 2030 is believers. And they're going to out us just like they ostracized the unvaxxed. Yeah. Or Hitler ostracized the Jews. Or whoever the other is, we're going to be the new other. And it's coming. So the Great Reset sounds like a great plan until you realize they know there's going to be people who won't accept it, and it's Christians. And they're going to be the ones that have to be eliminated. So tune in next week, folks, because we're going to talk about... The Great Reset Part 2, and we're going to see how giants will play into this persecution of the believers.
2: Holy moly.
0: Pretty wild. That is
2: pretty wild.
0: (laughs) So it's coming. So thank you guys for listening today. And thank you, Zena, as always. Thank
2: you for having me. Thank you guys for coming every week and hanging out with us. If you do enjoy the podcast, please like and share. Leave lots of comments down below. We love reading what you guys have to say. Um, And what do you think a Nephilim is?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's arguments about it not being giants, but Mm -hmm. I think the scriptures are pretty clear they were giants. So we'll look into that a little more detail. We'll talk a little bit more about giants. So if that piques your interest, come on and join us next episode. Yes. And thanks again for listening today. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, You can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com.